Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for joining us for today's episode of Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Vecchi, and I am one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Joining us today are Mick Wells, who is co-host of the Cross Connection radio program and who has been affiliated with Wells of Salvation Ministry since 1980. And also with us today is Steve Wilson, who's a Christian author with a Master's of Divinity from United Theological Seminary. Gentlemen, it's good to have you with us today. Let, Let me ask you this question as we start out. Have either of you ever heard this phrase, God would rather that we wear out than rust out. Neither one of you ever heard that one? Just now. Wow, I thought that was something that... Yeah, I that think I, I heard Neil Young say that. But. <laughs> Neil Rust Young. never sleeps. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, one of the, that was one of the phrases that I used to hear a lot when I first got uh, involved in, in Christian ministries in my probably early 20s. That was something that I had hear a lot, that God wants you to wear out rather than rust out. And, and my premise today is that I don't think God necessarily wants either one of those to happen. I think he wants to use us as, as we are. And what I'm using this as an introduction to is the idea of balancing work and rest. One of the things that happened uh, as I was growing up is that I was often told not to be lazy, you know, to work for what you need, that an honest day's work gets an honest day's pay, whatever it might be that you're uh, wanting to do. But don't be lazy. Try your hardest. Do your best. And at some point in my Christian walk, and I can't tell you exactly when it was, Something came to me that showed me that God actually has a plan for that on how to do your best. It's not always all about striving. And it has to do with the Sabbath. And that's something we find way back in the Old Testament. And so I'd like to ask Mick if you would read the first scripture that uh, I asked for us to look at today, which is from Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8. And the word says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Wait, wait, so you're saying that we have to work six days? As opposed to? As opposed to the American five-day work week? Ah, I see where you're going on that. So um, maybe the American five-day work week says that we're lazy, huh? You know, honestly, it's one of those things where 
Now, I don't know how you guys necessarily grew up as far as what you were taught. I was kind of a nominal churchgoer as far as what my family did. And so we knew enough of the Bible to just realize that we thought we knew it all and probably didn't know much of it at all. (laughs) And when I would hear the commandment about, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, I remember being told as a child by an adult that, well, for some people that might not mean going to church, it might mean saying a special prayer on that day or something like that. And I grew up with this skewed idea that, okay, if I don't go to church, I'll make sure to pray every Sunday. And that's how I thought I was being pleasing to God. Now, in my in my juvenile, um, immature understanding, I'm not saying that God didn't honor that, but there's a whole lot more to honoring the Sabbath day than, than saying a prayer to God on that day. And I believe it has to do with honoring God, yes, because that's what the scripture just told us, that we're going to set it apart and make it holy. And on that day, it talks about doing no work at all. Not just us, but even our animals, especially thinking in an agrarian society, for instance, where you use horses or cows or oxen or whatever it might be that that were being used. Don't make them work. And don't make your children work. Oh, I would have loved that one as a kid. <laughs> and um, don't make any foreigner, meaning non-Jewish person, because this was um, told to the Jewish people, don't make any foreigner work on that day as well. And I've seen that extrapolated out to all kinds of things. I've had people come to me when I've been pastor of churches asking if it's not a problem that some of these other people are going out to eat on a Sunday because you're making the the servers and the cooks and everybody work on that day. And there would be people who would not join fellowship of other people in the church who went to a restaurant. Why? Because that's not keeping the Sabbath day holy. Well, I, I ran into the same type of thing. I grew up in a very legalistic home. I, my dad was uh, a minister and um, came through church denominations that were rather legalistic. First of all, dad equated the Sabbath with, with Sunday. And so he kind of made that, that jump. For the Jewish people, of course, so the Sabbath was, as I understand it, a Saturday. Yes, it was. And so in the Christian community, at least some of them, uh, said Sunday, that's our Sabbath. And, uh, oh, I couldn't go to movies with friends on, on Sunday. Uh, I couldn't eat in a restaurant. I couldn't even go into a department store and buy something because that in effect made other people, um, work. And, and so I was trying to figure all this out. And I said, but dad on Sunday, don't you get up and preach sermons? Isn't that working? On Sunday, and he'd change the subject at that point. Yeah, but preachers don't work any other day of the week. That's what a lot of people think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in, in fact, I was going to mention, too, that uh, back when religion seemed to be a bigger part of the lives of people in this nation, uh, they put some, uh, in retrospect, they put some very interesting laws on the books, which kind of flow from the belief of keeping Sunday 
uh, sacred and no work. And have you ever heard the term blue laws? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I looked up a couple of them. Can I share them? Sure. Um, in Indiana, it was illegal to sell cars on Sunday. Um, Indianapolis, no person may correct rags, collect rags on Sunday. And then down in Georgia, the rest of these, no, mo no one may carry an ice cream cone in their back pocket if it is a Sunday. <laughs> Aren't you glad we're under grace? You mean an ice cream Sunday? I think so. Okay. <laughs> no one may practice the business of tattooing on Sunday. Barbershops are not allowed to open on Sunday. Illegal for stores to sell cornflakes on Sunday. It's illegal to carry a chicken by its feet down Broadway on Sunday in Columbus, Georgia. All kinds of things dealing with Sunday, and I think it all kind of emanates from the, the day of rest from uh, uh, Christian beliefs. It does, and uh, one of the things that um, we have to understand is that the Bible has influenced culture, especially in the United States and in, in what we call the New World or or Eurocentric countries, uh, those that originated in, in Europe and came to the United States or Canada. I remember going to Canada back in the uh, mid-1980s, and we had run out of toothpaste or something, you know, some something we needed. Uh, so, like, we went to the store, and we could get toothpaste, but somebody else came in behind us who wanted to get film, and the stores were not allowed to sell film because that wasn't a necessity, but toothpaste was. Camera so they film? Were open. Yes, camera film. Yeah, you remember before we had digital cameras. Yeah. And... Um, that was not a necessity, and the people there were not allowed to sell that, but the store was allowed to be open because people might need necessities, and toothpaste was considered a necessity. <laughs> Interesting. So, well, you know, all kinds of things have come up because of the Sabbath laws and, and, and what that commandment meant. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And then we also have just the idea of the balancing between work and rest, because God gave us the Sabbath, I believe, for our benefit, and we're going to get to that in a little while. But one of the things that I'd like us to look at is balancing the need for work and rest. And I've asked Steve if, if you'll read um, the section of the Bible from Luke, starting at chapter 10, verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to... Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So here we have Jesus telling somebody who's making preparations that it's better for the person who's not making preparations just sitting there. Now, for the longest time, I think that as a young child uh, growing up in a nominally uh, worshiping home, that I heard that and thought of, she's just sitting there. I did not grasp the aspect that 
listening to Jesus' teaching is an important part of this. Mm. So this was kind of an active non-working, if you want to call it that, because she was listening to what Jesus was saying. Now, I also want to point out that a lot of people blame Martha here for just being too busy, too busy, too busy. But let me also point out that it's important to make preparations at times. I mean... She was making preparations for him. Exactly. Not just for him, but for everybody there. Can you imagine eating raw meat? Mm. You know, especially in those days when, when things weren't preserved, so you couldn't just like throw it in the refrigerator and, and, and eat it another day. No, there were preparations needed to be made, um, and, and this was an important thing to do. However, it doesn't say that that Mary chose the the only right thing, but she chose what was better. So both were important, both the work and the rest. So before we get into the next part of things here, I think it's a perfect time for us to take a break for our sponsors' words, and then we'll come back and see how Jesus then dealt with the idea of rest and work when it came to the Sabbath. Well, we're back with Reconciling Grace, and we're talking about work and rest and the Sabbath. And we know that Jesus followed the law as found in the Old Testament. Yet, at the same time, he got into hot water with some of the people who were the ones who kind of interpreted the law of God during his day. And what I'd like to do is look at a couple of different um, issues that Jesus dealt with, and in fact, they actually are written about back to back in the Bible. So, Mick, if you would please read for me Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. We'll start by talking about that. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean... I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. There is so much stuff in those few verses. We could probably spend, you know, two or three programs just looking at those verses. But for the sake of today's program, I want to point out a couple of things. One is that Jesus said that these people were innocent even though the religious leaders of the time were saying they had just done wrong by doing work on the Sabbath. And just to make clear for our listeners who might not be aware of what we were talking about there is the process of taking the grain and rubbing it in your hands so you could eat the part that's edible. 
It'd be like today taking a peanut and breaking the shell would be a good way of, of, of describing that so you can eat the peanut that's inside. That, that task of breaking the shell or rubbing the grain was considered work, and you weren't supposed to do work on the Sabbath. Jesus um, declared these people innocent, saying that God desires mercy and said that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, which means that he's in charge of it. And again, we could get into a lot of different things about that. But before we do, I'd like to, Steve, I'd like you to continue then with what's written about right after that by Matthew, starting in the very next verse of, of chapter 12, which is verse 9. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So it was so important to the Pharisees to follow the law of God the way they interpreted it, that anybody who went against them and their understanding of that, in this case, maybe I shouldn't say anybody, but Jesus, in this case, who went against them and their interpretation was worthy of death. That's how important this was. It's hard for us to understand that in our American culture of of the year 2018, but uh, you know we, we really don't practice Sabbath. We talked a little bit about that before the break about what it was like when I visited Canada in in uh, the 1980s or or some of the blue laws that Mick you talked about. But that was a big deal because these Pharisees, these religious leaders, basically told people. How, how to interpret the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And this is how it was done. And you are to do no work on the Sabbath. Why? Because that's what God expects of you. But wait a minute, is that really what the Sabbath is about? The more that I look at it, you know, Mick, when you started reading uh, today from Exodus, the very last part of what you read was talking about that God worked six days, and he took the seventh day as a day of rest. And it took me many, many years of my Christian walk to understand that the Sabbath isn't about necessarily honoring God on that day, although we do honor him by by following the Sabbath, but we are to pattern our lives after what God showed us. God rested on the seventh day, so we should rest. Pete, don't you think that uh, God is, in effect, giving us um, uh, an exemplary behavior, a model for, and uh, I'll make this connection, our, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And for the same reason we avoid doing terrible things to our body, we don't want to burn it out or, you know, work it so that our body is out of out of balance 
And I think the Lord is, is telling us that it, we can do things or even should do things for our, our bodies so that we can rest and be the complete person that uh, he can use in, in his service to give us that balance. I, th I think it's just a, a good example for us, even if we're not legalistic. Right. And in another point in the Bible, Jesus actually answered these people saying that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Exactly. So it's for our benefit that we follow this pattern that God has given us. Now, now Mick, you brought up earlier about the, um, the, the Sabbath day being actually Saturday, and it's become Sunday for Christians. Now, in, in church history, what happened was the, the early Christians kind of moved that Sabbath day from Saturday to call it the Lord's Day in honor of the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But the point is, it was still one day out of seven that was honored. But yet, I think that we get so busy, like Martha, so often, that I started finding a number of years ago that our Sabbath, when we talk about life in the church, is often anything but restful. Mm-hmm. How many things I know that Steve, you and I worked together at churches uh, several years ago, and as the pastor there, I tried to not have a lot of Sunday activities. I don't know if you remember that, but previous to that, it seemed that there would be people, not just in that congregation, but in the denomination, well, you would have your Sunday morning Sunday school, you would have your Sunday morning worship service. Half the time you would have some type of a meeting at some point, if not a, a carry-in dinner or something like that. Then you might have uh, something, you'd always have something on Sunday evening. Before that, some churches would have choir rehearsal. Um, larger churches might have children's play rehearsal. Where is the rest? That's not a restful day. I mean, we used to talk in the Church of the Nazarene about Nazarene naps, and that was in the middle of the afternoon. After you'd, you'd eaten and before you go back to service, you needed to have your Nazarene nap. And I sometimes think it was because you were so worn out from all the church activities. <laughs> I was thinking, too, of, uh, you know, how did some of the uh, apostles handle this? You know, they all met terrible deaths, and, and you— Take Paul's account, you know, he wrote so many of the New Testament books. Um, he was run ragged. And there's one place in the Bible that said he, he was uh, harassed even to despairing of life. You know, how did he get any rest in conjunction with uh, uh, this concept? But um, <clears throat> I wanted to share a verse with you, um, a couple of verses here out of Colossians 2. Uh, verses 16 and 17, these are the words of Paul. He says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is, is found in Christ. And I think that um, <clears throat> we need to resist the temptation to get Real or real legalistic about 
uh, a particular day of the week in light of the freedom that we have in, in Christ, but also something else that occurs to me. Um, most theologians and researchers aren't sure when Jesus was born. Some have speculated in the spring, some have speculated in the summer. We, it wasn't December 25th, uh, but they've spe we're not sure when he was born. In fact, how can we be so sure that Saturday is Saturday now when you read something that says that Jesus was born in 4 BC? How could he be born four years before he was born? You know, and there's just not an exact science out, out there, and I think it, it underscores our responsibility to live for the Lord every day and not get hung up on a particular uh, pattern. Uh, or put more stock in one day than another. And uh, Paul says, don't even uh, let anyone judge you by a Sabbath day. Just wanted to share that. Well, uh, I'll jump in on that. I've often wondered if, you know, if I work on Sundays, uh, what's my responsibility there? Should I quit my job and look for an employment where I don't have to work Sunday morning, or uh, can I take another day of the mm -hmm. week and say, you know, Tuesday is my day off, so Tuesday is my Sabbath. Tuesday I'm going to rest. I'm going to dedicate some time to, to studying the Word, to prayer. Um, now is that okay, or am I sinning by not keeping the Sabbath day holy? Personally, I follow Tuesdays. I mean, that's generally been over the past probably decade or more, the day more likely than any other that I will take as a day off. Uh, as a pastor, my Sundays are out. I mean, I'm doing I'm doing work every Sunday, so I try to find a day that is taken off of my what I would call my normal labors. You know, as a pastor, a lot of times I've been what some people might call bivocational, which means I'll have a second job, and um, <clears throat> I'll try to take one day off. That means off from both jobs or all three jobs or whatever I happen to be doing at that time and say, that is my one day that I'm going to set aside to take away, uh, take as time away from my jobs, from my normal labor. Why? Not just to honor God, Steve, is what you said, but also for my own well-being. Mm -hmm. Because as I started out at the beginning, I don't think God wants me to wear out or rust out. Right. I think he wants me to be a good steward of things. So, Steve, I don't think it's a sin to do it on another day other than Saturday or Sunday. I believe it's a principle that we should take one day off a week. And so... Often it is so hard to try to explain to somebody, well, that's my day off. Because I think in our culture, we, we don't respect that very often. It's like, can you come help us out at work on that day? Well, that's my day off. Well, what else are you doing? Nothing. Well, then why can't you come in and help us? That's a hard thing to do, is to say no. And what if the poor soul who's trying to provide for his family that's maybe working two or three part-time jobs. What honors God? The Bible says if you don't provide for your own family, you're worse than an infidel. So you may be 
have your schedule somewhat cluttered, and I'd say under those circumstances, you'd have to ask God uh, for, show me the opportunity to get rest, but I have a priority, a God-honoring priority and responsibility to provide for my family, and therefore I will have to work on a Sunday or another day of the week. Right, especially in today's culture now, um, working on Sundays is not an option. And, uh, you know, by the clock, I see that it's not an option that we really keep going here. I would like to keep going on this subject a little bit more. But um, I do want to say that we've been talking here with Steve Wilson, with Mick Wells, and myself, Pete Vecchi. And uh, we are available for you to contact us if you'd like to ask us a question or if you'd like to have one of us come and speak with your group or your church. Please send us an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. It's been our pleasure to be with you today. Lord willing, we'll be back with you again next time for Reconciling Grace. God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.